Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. What is being done to uh, get the public uh, to really uh, rise up in various states to say to their senators, that they want to see the borders, uh, the border issue resolved. I mean, you're getting migrants beating up policemen in the streets in New York. You're seeing an influx of migrants all over the country that frankly have people outraged. And couldn't there be some kind of public pressure put in the next couple of days in some of these senator states saying, why are you allowing this to continue? Because at the end of the day, senators have to deal with their voters. And at the same time, it, uh, in the bill, you give uh, uh, money to Gaza, to, to, to civilians in Gaza and Israel. But the border, I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants and they're playing a time game with politics on this. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. I'm your host, Tony, as I do on my other show. And when Al Sharpton says it's an invasion, motherfuckers, it's an invasion. It's February 7th, year of our Lord 2024. Today's a big day. Dun, dun, dun. I got rid of my car. Uh, I got a light bulb problem. Couldn't get it fixed. The sensor star going out. It was a seven-year-old car. And 90,000 miles. Our Chrysler 300S was the greatest car I've ever owned. I love that car. It was sporty. It was luxurious. You felt like you're in a high-end vehicle. You should because it cost 50k and we bought that bitch. But it just started to get undependable and I'm trying to get back in the workforce. Can't have a car that the headlights don't work because some days I go walk, I'd have headlights. Some days I wouldn't. I changed light bulbs. I spent a thousand dollars trying to fix this car. A thousand dollars we didn't have. That came out of savings. I gave up. So, back in 1988, the first new car we bought was a Volkswagen Fox two-door. We loved that car. We only got rid of it because we had two kids, and you couldn't get the kids in the fucking car. It was stupid. We should have got the four-door, but we were kids. It was $500 more. Why would we do that? And then I drove a Volkswagen TDI from 2004-2006, and I bought another one in 2006, drove it to 2009. I put 300,000 miles on these Jettas. They were great cars. It was luxury, but it wasn't super luxury. And the price tag was cheap. So, went down to the dealer, and surprisingly, 2024s were there. Got a beautiful gray Volkswagen Jetta SE. Every feature the 300 had 
it has built-in standard. It's just part of it. The only thing I don't like is one of those climate cars, so it shuts off and turns back on when you start to go. You can't go in to a store like this morning. I tried to get my wife soda. You can't lock the car if it's running. It won't let you do that. You have to shut it off. But it's luxurious. It has leather seats, heated seats. It doesn't have vented seats, which we had in our 300, but we really didn't use that very much because it didn't do anything for you. Um, and the only thing different, I think, is it doesn't have a good set. The stereo is not that nice. Um, it doesn't come with Sirius. It comes with Android Auto, which is fine because we were doing that anyway because Chrysler Land Nav is horrible. Um, it never gave us a good route. So we were using our phones anyway. And I'd already used Android Auto on a car before. It's great. You can get up there and have your map. It's just like you've got a, a nav system. But, man, I love this car. It is so nice. It was cheap. Altogether, I think it cost $28K for a brand-new car. Gets 36 miles to the gallon. We're going to save on gas. Super happy. And I love the color. It's a grayish-purple. It looks purple, but it's gray. It looks gray, but it's purple. It's very confusing color. I can't figure it out. Um, but this morning I went out to it. Auto started it with my phone built in. And my God, it was better than the 300. Everything was warm. The car was warmed up. Opened the door, got in, did my walk. Parked it and said, man, that was nice. And the headlights are so fucking bright on it. It has these running lights that are bigger than the 300. It had a little one. This has a whole, the whole front just lights up. You have so much light, but very happy. So that's big news in my life. Um, I needed a new car. And yes, it's odd that I can still buy a car unemployed, but I make $59,000 a year sitting on my fucking ass. So when I get back to actually having a job, then I'm buying a truck. I want a truck. I want a truck. I want a hoopty. I don't want anything fancy. I just want a old truck that if I get in an accident, I just grab the steering wheel and go, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. So, a soundbite heavy one because I did not have anything prepped. We're going to go straight through to the MSNBC. They don't understand why Donald Trump is winning in the poll. Let's just start with the bottom line. When you ask folks, hey, if it's the general election and it's Trump versus Biden in our poll, Donald Trump now leads Joe Biden by five points. Compare that to the last time we polled back in November. Trump was ahead then, but it was only by two points. It's even more significant when you look at it this way. Over time, we have been testing for five years now, going back to 2019, a Biden-Trump matchup. Remember 2019, 2020, Joe Biden led. He led big in every single one of our polls. For the first time in November, Donald Trump pulled ahead in our poll, and now at five points, this is the biggest lead NBC has ever had in 16 polls for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And of course, undergirding all of this is this question of, he is the incumbent, Joe Biden. We ask voters, what do you think of the job he's doing? And look at that, Kristen, 37% approve, and now 60% disapprove. And we should say that is the lowest 
approval rating since former President George W. Bush's second term. Yeah, and it's put that in further context, too. Bush in his second term wasn't running for re-election. Yeah. Here's the presidents who were running for re-election in our poll starting their re-election year. What was their approval rating? Bush was over 50. He won. Obama was almost at 50. He won. Trump, four years ago, was 46. He lost. Look how low Biden's number is compared to those predecessors at this point. Their number's all much bigger than yeah. President Biden's. It, it shows you yeah. the improvement Biden has to make here yeah. in the coming months. Uh, the issues that are driving this, too, the economy, no surprise, we've been talking about it, but look at that advantage for Trump, 22 points. Wow. And securing the border here, folks, a very important Trump with a 35-point advantage. The economy is so striking, Steve, because jobs are up, inflation is down. Voters aren't giving him credit for that, clearly. Yeah, there are a couple areas in here, I think, where Democrats see potential opportunities to grow Biden's support. Certainly, they are hoping the economy, folks, change their perceptions of it and start rewarding Biden for it. That's what they're hoping, certainly. So we're going to try to... Do 2020, 2016 all over again when we don't cover anything. Which, you know, that, that's that's what they do. Here's Mar, and we have Morning Joe. They have their own poll, and of course, they don't want to believe it either. Ahead, despite an impressive January jobs report, President Biden still down 20 points when it comes to the economy. We're digging into new NBC News polling. All right, Friday's numbers showed the U.S. economy added 353,000 uh, jobs last month. Economists had predicted gains around 185,000. So that's a lot more than expected, but despite continued strong economic data. New polling from NBC News shows just 36% of registered voters approve of how President Joe Biden has handled the economy. And when asked who they would trust more to handle the economy, 55% said Donald Trump, compared to 33% who said Biden. So Jonathan Lemire, the, the, the numbers are uh, stark, uh, despite uh, the good numbers in the economy. And let's keep that one up right there, 55 to 33. Why, uh, what's the Biden White House's explanation and what are they going to do about it? I was speaking to some senior aides at the end of last week uh, about this very matter. And they're still confident that they can turn this narrative around, that they point to strong, the jobs report, this other strong economic metrics. Most, imp most importantly, they feel consumer sentiment. They feel like people are feeling better about the economy, and that translates usually into votes for the incumbent, the president who's overseeing that strong economy. But at least for now, there is a disconnect between Americans who now are starting to think better about how things feel economically, but they're not giving the White House any credit. Uh, there's a, that, that is something they need to work on. That's about messaging. That's about salesmanship. That's certainly something this White House is going to do. So you look at the numbers, obviously, a lot of Democrats uh, panicking as Democrats do. Uh, we're in the beginning of February, long way to go. Uh, Joe Biden's numbers are very low. These are, and, and this is, you know, there was an FT, um, article on this last week, I think, that we talked about. Um, Donald Trump could win. Who knows? Maybe he wins in a landslide. Not saying he's not. I am saying, though, if you look at numbers across the West, you see leaders that have low approval ratings. You saw Emmanuel Macron uh, when he was going into re-election with approval ratings in the low to mid-30s. He ended up with 58 percent of the vote. I just, I just 
think staring at approval ratings and panicking about February polls, that's just time wasted. No, and so much can happen. Part two of the acting yeah. is Joe, is, is Joe okay. Biden saying, you know what, if you just give me a new law, a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing laws. And border patrol this, this will tell is you that right silly. to your face. I need a piece of yeah. paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that. That's right. That's right. So he has. And then we get to where we always get in this time of year because you know they always equate conservatives or non non progs. That's how I like to do it. It's it's no longer conservative liberal. It's far left liberals and everybody else they even hate their own party because you're not woke enough it's bigoted to locate america's jihad capital these are actually fucking wall street journal welcome to dearborn well per capita the fbi is known as the biggest recruiting ground of financing of terrorism in the world it's right here in america obama built it he built that Remember when we were saying you didn't build that? Well, he built that. He put them all there. That's how Omar got our position. They put a bunch of Somalis in there and, and extremists because they were doing the whole Libya thing. And so they just threw them all in one area and they took over. It's like Rajneesh Puram. Um, then we get into, I'm a Christian, Joy Reid claims. She didn't curse by Nana Hot Mike. Dem Foreign Affairs Committee says he opposes... Uh, Nigerian bill because they don't like gay people and Christianity and then PBS smear speaker Johnson is a Christian extremist who's linked to the J6 riot that they have zero proof of they just everybody who's not a dem is part of J6 Now, Joy, I want to ask you, because we, as, as people that wear microphones every day, we can relate to this, but last week you had a hot mic moment that got some attention. <laughs> Let's just say you used some colorful language. Who doesn't? Not me. Um, I'm a Christian. But, yeah, <laughs> but it, it seems like you were criticizing President Biden for starting another war. I don't think you're alone in concerns of that, but is that true? Like, what was behind this? <laughs> well, I'm going to hit that with a cute no comment. No, but I, what, what I'm going to say is I am a person that... I, I'm a study war no more kind of Christian. I'm a red letter Christian. I don't believe in war, whether it is the governor of Texas literally trying to start another civil war over an issue that his party could solve tomorrow. There's literally a bill that they just yeah. could pass, right, and, and do the border security issue. Or whether it's in the Middle East, I was deeply against the Iraq war. I was against, I'm, a, I'm an anti-war person. And so, you know, I don't wanna say that there's any side that is specifically to blame here, but I think the idea, I think for most Americans, we're war weary. I think we're all weary of conflict, yeah. and we would like to see us progress economically, socially, try to bring this country back from the brink of racial hatred. Let's not do war at all. Are there leaders across these subgroups of white Christian nationalism that are tied to the former president directly or to his larger network? Yes. Uh, for example, uh, a group of New Apostolic Reformation leaders, uh, apostles and prophets and others, were present at the White House a week before January 6th. Speaker Mike Johnson has direct ties to the New Apostolic Reformation. Speaker Mike Johnson is somebody who's sought the counsel and the friendship of Timothy Carcaden, who is a New Apostolic Reformation pastor from 
his home district uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. Timothy Carcaden is a close associate with Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets is perhaps the most ardent Trump supporter in the New Apostolic Reformation. He's the one who may have done the most of any Christian leader in the United States to mobilize folks to try to overturn the 2020 election and to uh, make sure to attend uh, January 6th. One of the most frightening things, I think, about Mike Johnson is the flag he hangs outside of his office, an appeal to heaven flag. The appeal to heaven flag goes back to the Revolutionary War, George Washington. It was inspired by John Locke. But over the last 10 years, the, the appeal to heaven flag has been popularized by Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets sees the appeal to heaven flag as a symbol of Christian revolution. If you look closely at January 6th, you will see dozens of appeal to heaven flags. It may have a long history, but in the contemporary context, uh, it has a very specific meaning. So the fact that Mike Johnson has it hanging outside of his office, uh, to me, signifies uh, how he understands his role as Speaker of the House in terms of being a Christian and being an American. Dismiss efforts, but look, uh, Congress can't simple, simply say, we're only concerned about Christian persecution. Um, we're concerned about anyone's human rights being violated. And by the way, that includes the gay and lesbian community, which has suffered in Nigeria, among other African countries, um, even at the hands of religious leaders who have called for the death penalty for, uh, because of somebody's sexual orientation. So, you know, if we're going to express ourselves with respect to human rights abuses, as we should, it's so bad they brought John Stewart back. That's what you came back with? That you think this is going to work again? Simultaneously, crime is out of control. And of course, NBC jumps on it. No, they're just they're they're pouncing. We're pouncing. And then we brought this back. This was everywhere. Jamie Foxx even did it. Somebody decided to point facts, so I'm going to put this up here because it became a whole thing. And I don't go to X anymore. X is a fucking shit show. See that? When Trayvon Martin continues to be trotted out as completely innocent and a civil rights icon, despite most of us knowing the facts of the case, it should make you question the narratives and the other civil rights icons. I don't know why they do this. I don't think it's smart because it's not a good case. It's just like hands up, don't shoot. We still have people saying that in our country, and it's a total fucking lie, and everybody knows it's a lie. But because people are scared to get canceled, they just don't say shit. You can be a non-racist and say that's a lie but what happened was wrong Trayvon Martin didn't deserve to get killed maybe wound him hands up don't shoot kid just wound him shoot him in the fucking leg he'll shut the fuck up so on top of all that we'll always do what the media does and the left gets to do 
I mean, the right does it. I'm not saying they don't do it, but they're not allowed to just make up shit. You can't go out there and say, as, as Trump demonstrated, uh, I have done the most jobs ever. And the media would put up facts and go, no, that's not true. You actually didn't do that great. I'm this, I'm that. As a person that's trying to get a job, the job market's garbage. We do not have full employment. There's jobs all over the place, but people don't want to hire anybody that's 56 and haven't worked in two years, so I'm getting fucked over. And I want to work. And with this economy, my God, the gaslighting, starting with the Wall Street Journal, ending with Mr. Colbert. So in regards to inflation, we know that recessions in the past have been deflationary, if not disinflationary events. So let's talk about whether or not we will get a recession, because assuming that the past repeats itself, then a recession could mean lower inflation. What indicators are you looking for to tell you whether or not we're going to get a slowdown, a contraction or recession, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. I I mean, I, I think a recession is inevitable, all but inevitable. Nothing's inevitable except death and taxes. But um, I think it's all but inevitable. And all of the indicators you look at, whether it's a leading economic indicator, whether it's manufacturing, you know, all of the indicators are pointing down. The increase in debt, I think, is a very significant one. You look at the uh, debt levels on balance, ba- uh, credit card balances. You look at credit card defaults, because, of course, the balance goes up before they default. Uh, both of those have shot up to 10 and 20 year highs, depending on which one we're looking at. And it's worse among credit cards like uh, Capital One, Discover. It's worse there than it is, say, at um, uh, Chase, but certainly worse than American Express. So Discover and, and, and uh, Capital One are credit cards that typically, you know, their market is more lower income people. Yeah. Um, and those are the people that are really hurting. So when you have over 5% of your credit card defaulting, that is an astonishing number when you think about it. I have a few stats here that may indicate the economy is not as weak as some may think. I'll just let you comment on whether or not these stats mean anything in the grand scheme of things. First of all, consumer sentiment has continued to rise. Retail sales are actually up 0.6% month over month in December. Um, Existing home sales fell. Well, we can talk about the real estate uh, market later. Unemployment rate is still very low. So all these indicators tell us that the consumer is still relatively optimistic and the labor market is still relatively strong. Correct or incorrect? No. Well, I'll say one broad thing to begin with, which is anytime you look at economic statistics, you know, there's such a range but, you know, you can pick one over here and I'll pick one over there. Sure. There's always good, there's always bad. Sure. You know, the Empire State Manufacturing Index was just, what came out last week, was just astonishingly weak. Um, if we look at what you're talking about, we'll come to unemployment in a minute because that's, that's very important. But I think with retail sales, you know, when you see retail sales holding up very well and moving up, but at the same time, credit card balances moving up and credit card defaults, moving up, does that signify that the consumer is very strong or does that signify that the consumer has not yet learned to tighten his belt? Uh And I think the latter, not the former. I mean, if we were seeing consumer spending strong, but, but credit card balances remaining relatively low, then yes, I'd be much more optimistic. Now, credit card delinquency rate, that's been rising. In fact, it's now at the highest level since 
2012, higher than the pandemic level. Right. Now, obviously on the surface, this doesn't look good, but is there perhaps an explanation as to why people are defaulting on their credit card payments? Uh, certainly isn't, isn't because interest rates are getting higher because, you know, they're not. Well, credit cards have moved up over the last uh, year and 18 months, of course, and a lot of credit cards are now charging 20, okay. 24, 25%. Some are charging 29%. So if, if you've got a credit card balance and it's gone up from 15% to 29%, you know, that's, that's meaningful. So, you know, more and... You know as well as I do, when you have debt, more and more of your income is simply going to service the right. debt. You're not getting ahead at all. And so if you want your spending to remain level, then obviously you have to increase the debt. Yes. So when we look at consumer spending, I mean, you know, you, 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 all the consumer spending numbers are in terms of dollars spent. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to again say it too much. Consumer spending is strong is strong, but it's not as strong, in my view, as it appears, A, because of a credit card, B, because for credit, for spending volume to remain where it is, and volume might be the amount of stuff we buy, it might be the quality of stuff we buy, do we buy a $5,000 Brioni suit, or do we buy a 2000 Hickey, Hickey, whatever, do they still exist right. anymore? I don't know. I'm not sure what but, you're referring to. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably a brand that went out of, out of business 30 years ago. Sorry. Okay, I've never heard of that it brand. It was a Nordstrom. Um, okay. Not, yeah, Nordstrom sold right. it. Hickey right. Freeman. Okay. Hickey Freeman. Um, anyway, but, but, but if people are, if people, so, so if people are moving down and not spending, remember, you're spending as much in dollar terms. But if I mean, this is the reason that the idea of expanding the court is starting to catch on, even with people who originally opposed it, because these these guys have a political agenda and in ending regulation other than the regulation they impose themselves, ending women's rights, ending women's rights to an abortion, ending civil rights, just basically rolling back the entire 20th century Supreme Court jurisprudence. They're doing it so systematically that they're not stoppable if you don't expand the court. At this point, the difference between a progressive justice and a liberal justice versus a conservative or Republican justice justice is that the liberals believe in facts and the conservatives believe in vibes and they are <laughs> vibing out right now they are winning on the vibes and remaking the law back in their image of the 1950s and the 1850s. Yeah, how long till they get to brown v board or the or the case where it said that you know uh, segregation schools can't get the tax cuts because yeah. that was what they were it's on clarence thomas's about. list as long as you leave jenny alone clarence <laughs> thomas is interested in yeah, you know that mess with interracial marriage you right. don't keep that do you see yourself and I, and would you ever consider being the conduit to that third party? Because I don't know if, if the Republican Party, as we, as we knew it, will survive this. Because if he ever gets in again, we'll never have any yeah. more elections. There will be no more. He will stop it. And, and he's very clear about that. He wants to be dictator for life. Okay? So I wonder, would you ever consider, please, would you please <laughs> consider being that person? Because I got to tell you, it, I was really, I don't understand how people can say, we're with you, we're with you, we're with you. And then when you need them, they go, oh, but we're with him now. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And I don't understand how 
you find the grace not to be pissed at folks. Oh, I'm you're not. You know, you're mad at them, but you're not pissed at them because if you were pissed at them, you would have given up on them yeah. and you haven't. Oh, well, and so would yeah. you? Look, Please. I, I think that. I'm begging you. <laughs> Look, I'm on one knee. One thing that, um, as an independent, bothers me is independents decide elections and the way our system is set up with our primaries and many of them being closed. The, the people like me don't get to participate in choosing, which I think is driving to majorly partisan elected people like the Marjorie Taylor Greens, like the Donald Trumps. I'm now conceding because I can't participate in a lot of states that I would just take a good person, someone who believes in what you've spoken to and what you've spoken. Would you ever run for president? He is one of the most dangerous people of my lifetime to ever be in the Oval, Oval Office. Right. He is probably the, the most dangerous. Right. So you have somebody like, and he doesn't have a good sense of humor. No, we all know that at the correspondence dinner, when President Obama made a joke about him, that was his, the beginning his, skin, yeah. his skin is thinner than his hair. Yeah. And, and, and he got so pissed off that he had to run for president and go after poor Obama, who was born in this country. He is a menace. So, I present that to this panel. <laughs> I would say that, what are you supposed to do? That's my the problem talk. is that, that, yeah. that hate and fear are dividing things. It pits people against each other on purpose. Comedy is uniting, which is why comedy is always where I go when things are the scariest in life. Mm -hmm. You need someone to keep us laughing about what makes... <laughs> <laughs> She didn't even say anything. That's true. She but, didn't but, have to. She just made a face. No, but, but Sarah, Sarah, that is true. That's what I'm trying to say yes. here. But the man doesn't take it. Because no, no, but doesn't no, it make I'm it more funny? Us. They made fun of Hitler. Charlie Chaplin made fun of Hitler in 1940. By 1945, millions and millions I mean, of people else. were dead. Everyone so else. You the have... audience needs to laugh. The people need to laugh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I'm not checking on But because Trump. he's so... Like, I need everyone else to... I want to just ask you Charlemagne I mean you made some waves in a recent interview saying that you regret endorsing Joe Biden why it's not that I regret <clears throat> endorsing uh, Joe Biden it's just that you know I think that we all can get burned you know by politicians because when I say endorsing like you know I put my name and my reputation on the line with my listeners and when my listeners feel like he didn't deliver they come back to me and they say hey man you're the one who told us to vote for uh you know joe biden you're the one who told us to vote for kamala harris so you know i care about my listeners and what my listeners think but i do want to say that you know i, I think president biden historically has been a, a lack of lack of a better word a shitty elected official but you know donald trump is the end of democracy as we know it so you'd vote for biden again I'm not saying either or, but I think, you know, since y'all ask answers, because that's what y'all do on, on CNN, <laughs> you like to ask answers, like you ask, well, I mean, what, what I say is you, you ask uh, is, is, is if Donald Trump was black, you know, would he get locked up? You know the answer to that. But I mean, right? I don't so, know the so you are going to vote for Joe Biden? I think it's simple and plain, like, you know, if, yeah. if you, um, Donald Trump is the end of democracy, we know it. I don't mean, I don't know, I don't know what to tell people. And I know it sounds... When you say that now, in 2024, you've heard it so much because every time, you know, there's a Republican candidate, people say, oh, it's the end of democracy, you know, uh, you know, uh, he's the, people say, go so far as to say, oh, he's the Antichrist, like, but this is one of those. 68% of Americans say that they have lost their confidence in newspapers, TV, or radio. Mm -hmm. The only thing they trust now is late night. And I was wondering, <laughs> how do you, uh, as a journalist yourself and as the dean of the school, how do you think that journalism needs to get that or can get that trust back from the American public? 
Well, I mean, there are a lot of things. First, you know, thank you. We're really happy to be here. Uh, and, you know, we don't really get the trust back. You know, it's not something that, you know, can be inherited. It's something that has to be earned every single day. Mm -hmm. And so we talk with my students about this and say, you know, you earn the trust of the public by being correct day in, day out. Uh, and when you make mistakes, you own up to it. The other thing that I think is really important is that most people don't know how news gets produced. You know, they think that we do, I mean, there are movies, maybe you see someone going out reporting and so on, but the ethical standards and the fact checking and the things that you do, the stories that you don't publish, the things that you find out that go like, this doesn't quite add up. You know, there are actually rigorous processes uh, in place in most reliable institutions, rigorous processes that determine what you can and can't say uh, in a newspaper article or in a news story. Uh, and so we have to do a better job of explaining that story. How hard is it to maintain or to to uphold or point toward the 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 ethics of uh, uh, objective reporting when you're not necessarily reporting Coke and Pepsi? You're reporting like one 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 group of people sure. still believes in democracy, and another group of people is fine with autocracy and would be fine if you did not vote. Right. Specifically, you, Jelani, did not vote. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, and shocking. so, so right. how do you objectively, you can't say, like, well, there are fine stories on both sides of this. But see, I, I think that's not what objective reporting is. And that's one of the, the things that we have to get past. Like, it's one of the kind of common misperceptions that uh, if you just report on both sides equally, then you're being objective. Mm -hmm. uh, but you should report on both sides while subjecting both to the same sort of equal uh, uh, interrogation mm -hmm. uh, of their positions and their statements. And the truth is in the offing uh, of that. And so you, you, if a person is saying that they advocate uh, autocracy and a person uh, advocates for democracy. I just don't understand how they think this is going to work. How, how you think this is going to work. You can't tell people what they know isn't true. I don't care how big you suppress stuff on Google. I don't care how you censor stuff on social media. I don't care if the media is 100% straight into protect Biden mode. It doesn't matter. Because this is the next thing. New in a target enforcement, ICE in Seattle arrested six child sex predators. Salvadorian man convicted of child rape and felony, child molestation. Mexican man convicted of rape, child rape and child molestation. Mexican man convicted of first degree sex abuse of a minor. Two and Mexican man convicted of dealing in depictions of minor engaged in sexual contact. Mexican man convinced of communication with a minor for moral purposes. Areas these illegal aliens were living in. Tacoma, Moose Lake, Yakima, Federal Way, and Woodburn, Oregon. And that is like a buckshot of Normalville, USA. NYC launches 53 million program to hand out prepaid credit cards to migrant families and just throw cash at it. How do we get here? Asked Chief Jen Chell, John Chell. It is because there are no consequences, he stated, while on the Morning Joe show. I thought I got that picture. There it is. Mockery of justice. Biden's putting kids in cages. And he's also doing policies that Trump did. 
From the Houthis to UNRWA to Nord Stream to domestic drilling to Trump's border wall, President Biden has quietly reverted back to many of his predecessors' policies because he knows that's what America wants. And you can't do shit about it. <clears throat> this is uh, White House economic gaslighting was so bright that Biden had to wear shades. There are 14 million additional Americans who know the dignity and peace of mind that comes with a paycheck. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 3.2 million jobs were created with the other 11 COVID recovery. Finally, somebody's printing the truth. Finally. I'm saving that picture for later because he's been lying about this for fucking ever. Back to this one. Thanks to New York NYPD Chief Patrol for telling our viewers how the law of New York allowed migrants to beat and kick cops and be released because of bail reform laws that make every New Yorker less safe. Thank you, Chief Chanel. Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough. But he already knew that, but they're not going to say it because why would they say that? If they said it, they'd be going to, they'd get canceled. More on the NYPD stuff. Every word you just said was wrong. Philly columnist whines about legal immigration local story. These migrants have got into class of NYPD officers. I can see why it would be a local story, but why is it national media obsessed? Why? Why, why, why? But none of this compares to the outright gaslighting and lies that we have on the border. It, it is fucking 100% fucking broke. And it sounds like this. To Washington now, where House Republicans and former President Trump have tanked the Senate's bipartisan border security bill as they set a vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, despite no evidence of impeachable offenses. It's been nearly 150 years since a cabinet secretary was impeached by the House, but never over a policy dispute. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was deeply involved in those Senate negotiations, that border deal, now on thin ice. This morning, a growing number of Senate Republicans threatening to vote against the border deal their own party helped negotiate. The bill includes $20 billion for border security, forcing the border to shut down when migrant apprehensions reach 5,000 a day and making it more difficult to apply for asylum in the U.S. The package also adds 60 billion for Ukraine and 14 billion for Israel. Months ago, House Speaker Mike Johnson called for a compromise like this one. But that was before Donald Trump weighed in. Border battle. Senate Republicans now threatening to block the bill they negotiated. Republican opposition is mounting against that bipartisan border security bill that also includes new aid for Ukraine and for Israel. The border crisis is extending to cities across the country. But here in Washington, a solution remains elusive. And much like the last four decades, Republicans and Democrats are blaming each other for the growing immigration problem. The vibes in Washington are are not good. Republicans and Democrats both raising serious concerns about the $118 billion national security package to the point where the bill's future is in serious doubt. The Senate uh, immigration compromise has gotten a big endorsement by a group that knows the issue well, the generally right-leaning union for border patrol agents, the people actually down there.
But it doesn't look like it's going to matter because Republicans are being told to. This is the most significant border security and immigration deal between Democrats and Republicans in over a decade. But within just hours, House Speaker Mike Johnson made it clear it is not going anywhere in the House. This is a massive package, $118 billion. That includes $20 billion for border security. Sweeping immigration restrictions, including shutting down the border when migrant encounters reach 5,000 a day and making it more difficult to claim asylum in the U.S. $60 billion in funding for Ukraine, $14 billion in funds for Israel. But this bill faced Republican resistance in the House before it was even released. Donald Trump, who wants to run on this issue of immigration, has been urging Republicans to reject this compromise. And House Speaker Mike Johnson making it clear it is dead on arrival. And remember, it was Republicans who demanded border security in exchange for additional funding to Israel and Ukraine. Now the House is moving forward with just aid to Israel. That throws into doubt any future aid to Ukraine. But the key aspect of this deal is the impact it would have on the southern border. And in, within minutes of its release, House Republicans were signaling that the immigration reforms were not enough and warned the bill won't even get a vote. But House Republicans who count immigration among their most important issues are feeling pressure from their base and former President Trump to oppose the package. The compromise would give the administration new emergency authority to temporarily shut down the border, allowing immediate deportation before asylum is requested. The government would be required to close the border when migrant encounters reach a daily average of 5,000 over a week. It also ends catch and release policies. At there is this one percenter, you know, criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here. These individuals, I went over their rap sheets yesterday, multiple charges, grand larceny, robbery, attempted robbery, grand larceny, grand larceny. Uh, this particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Um, one of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. And... I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York, do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Great report. Keep us posted on this. this is when you talk about impeachment, a White House official pointed out that uh, in the impeachment report, it says, quote, the committee, through these articles of impeachment, begins the process of deporting Secretary Mayorkas from his position. Uh, you know, I think it's not subtle, the fact that Secretary Mayorkas is the first immigrant uh, from his family to serve as a, 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 D, a DHS secretary. Um, when you hear that, what do you think? Well, it's outrageous, and it's consistent with the type of xenophobic rhetoric that extreme mega Republicans in this town have become known for utilizing and deploying. Certainly that's been the case uh, since 2015. Again, uh, what does the impeachment of Secretary Marocas have to do with building a healthy economy? Nothing. What does the impeachment of Secretary Marocas have to do with addressing the inflationary pressures that have existed on the economy since the shutdown of the economy as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Nothing. And it has nothing to do with fixing our broken immigration system. And so uh, we, at this point, really need our Republican colleagues to choose to walk away from chaos, which is what they want, and their purveyors of chaos, of dysfunction, and extremism, and join us in a common-sense approach 
to the border is closed. The border is secure. And the border is secure. Uh, the border is closed. The border is secure and the border is not open. We have a secure border. I can tell you the, it, the border is secure. By what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. Uh, we're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border. As you know, the president has done everything that he can. Uh, he's done that alone uh, without the help of Republicans. Why aren't you guys stopping the flow at the border? We are stopping the flow at the border. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security. The removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system. We have done a lot of work here to fix this system. I think the message um, uh, uh, is, in fact, not to come uh, to the border. I don't think the more than 1.5 million people who have been removed or expelled uh, from the border would consider the border open. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated, they're allowed to stay. But, Why? But that's not how it works. It, like we actually, no. Well, I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what, ha what is happening. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and... <laughs> To the other news, major news, in fact, from the Senate. For the first time in years, Republicans and Democrats have come up with a bipartisan plan to finally address the border. The other major headline on this late today, the conservative-leaning Border Patrol Union, the officers who patrol the border, endorsing this bipartisan plan. But tonight, the House Speaker saying Republicans in the House are not interested amid pressure from Donald Trump not to agree to any... They can try burying it. They can try doing this. The Mayorkas thing that was never going to work. You're not going to impeach him because the Democrats got too many people. But the border's bad. And then we got Trump. And I got to do Trump because there's a silent official from Trump was killed. There's frontline pops, anti-Trump popcorn for liberals, boost Trump hate. They're trying to make Christie back Biden. You have blames Trump for current Middle East chaos. They brought on Ben Rhodes to actually do that. It's unbelievable. Morning Joe gushes, prices, praises cursing at Trump covering for lies about Bo. Because once again, the president keeps going on and saying, my son died in Iraq, which is a complete fabricated lie. It's not true. Didn't happen. It's like me saying... I have stomach problems because of Afghanistan. It's true I got stomach problems when I was in Afghanistan. I got some kind of virus, and then I, every time I ate rich food, I shit it out like in two seconds. But it was COVID that made me sick. Tonight, Washington, D.C. on edge. A second man has died after a violent 11-hour crime spree. Police say Michael Gill, a 56-year-old father of three and former government official, was shot Monday night in an attempted carjacking. The driver of the vehicle exited and was found on the sidewalk when the officers arrived on the scene. Gill most recently worked as the chief of staff for the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission under the Trump and Obama administrations. Gill's wife, Christina, saying in a statement, his sudden departure has left a void in our lives that can never be filled. He leveraged warmth and humor to solve complicated policy problems. He will be dearly missed. 
While violent crimes were trending down nationally, according to the major cities' chiefs association, Washington is an outlier. The Justice Department announcing last month a surge of law enforcement tools and resources to target those most responsible for violent crime and carjackings. Police records show motor vehicle thefts spiked here 82 percent last year, and homicides jumped by 35 percent, one of just two cities that saw an increase. Last week's series of attacks, just the latest in a rash of carjackings nationwide. In Oakland, California, this car swerved, blocking the road as a suspect gets out, pulling a gun on this approaching driver, who eventually drives away. Ah! And in nearby San Francisco, this car caught on camera flying through trees, flipping over and crash landing. That vehicle was also carjacked. Despite these headlines, the latest FBI data actually shows an overall drop in violent crime from January through September last year compared to 2022. That category includes carjackings. The FBI data shows auto thefts, however, did increase in larger American cities. Washington, D.C., however, is not in line with the national trend of violent crimes decreasing. In October, a congressman was carjacked about a mile from the U.S. Capitol. I looked to the left, somebody had a gun. Uh, to the right, somebody had a gun. I had a third guy behind me. you got to stay calm. Last year, homicides, sex abuse, assaults with a dangerous weapon, and robbery. The president's intent was to stay in power at all costs. This election was stolen. I flat out said, I swore an oath. I'm not going to break it. I'm not putting on no stinking circus. They put their faith in Donald Trump, and he deceived them. I don't think by any large stretch can you characterize it as bipartisan. The select committee laid the path down for the Department of Justice. Donald Trump is going to be the defendant and the candidate. It's hard to imagine how it's going to play out. Now on Frontline, democracy on trial. But I'm not voting for Donald Trump under any circumstances. But isn't any vote that's not for Joe Biden, assuming it's the two of them and a handful of third-party candidates, isn't any vote that's not for Joe Biden to vote for Donald Trump? Well, we could get into all the technicalities and you well, understand. I, don't know. I think it's pretty clear that it no, is. No, 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 but I... you, get it this, you, you know this as well as I do. In my state, in my state, my vote is not going to matter a lick, okay? I don't know who the full field's going to be yet. And and there might be a no-labels candidate um, who I might but look no at no-labels is going to drain more from Joe Biden than Donald Trump, isn't it? I think it depends on who they nominate. I think it depends on who they nominate. If they nominate a strong Republican, um, it might not be the if case. If they asked you? They have not asked me, no. But if they did? Oh, I don't know. There'd be a... Be a long conversation between me and Mary Pat. I can guarantee you that. Um, but but you haven't closed the door to it. Well, what I've said in the past is that I'd have to see a path for anybody, not just me. But I think anybody who would accept that would need to see a path to 270, uh, 270 electoral votes. You know, <laughs> this is, if there was ever a time in our lifetime when a third-party candidate could make a difference. Um, I think it's now. The question, though, is what kind of difference? So, so play, out, play out as a strategist. If, 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 if you're running the campaign now to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president in 2024, what do you do? Replace Joe Biden. Bottom line, you think you'll succeed in your mission to make sure Donald Trump is not president again? I don't know, George, but it won't be for lack of trying. I can guarantee you that. Hmm. So a lot of news uh, right there. As you saw, he didn't close the door on possibly getting to the third party, but you saw me also press him because if you look at the numbers, it's almost impossible for a third party to actually get mm -hmm. into the White House. And it's almost certain 
that they're going to take more votes from Biden than from Trump. They're going to make a difference. Uh, ben, I, I've been thinking all day that back uh, when we had that, uh, what was called the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, and people, a lot of people had beef about it. They thought it wasn't the best deal around. I, I always thought the one thing that it does do is it gets America and Iran around the same table. Something that hasn't happened, uh, something that we haven't had in place when October 7th happened and we, we needed to use influence over Hamas and something we don't have tonight. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, <clears throat> during that nuclear deal, it obviously put a lid on the Iranian nuclear program. It also created a diplomatic framework for the U.S. and Iran to have direct discussions and try to resolve disputes and de-escalate tensions. It didn't solve every problem. I think the challenge that we're seeing here now, in addition to the fact that we haven't even mentioned the fact, uh, Ali, that that nuclear program has advanced to kind of the doorstep mm -hmm. of the nuclear weapons capability. So that lurks in the backdrop here, too. But the other problem is nobody's, just listen to the conversations we've been having, nobody's quite sure of everybody's intentions here. Right. There's the Iranian intentions. There's the intentions of the Houthis. There are the intentions of these proxy groups in Syria and Iraq. There are the intentions of Hezbollah and Lebanon. There are the intentions of Hamas. All of these groups have different... John, you and your colleagues have new reporting on the language President Biden uses behind closed doors when talking about the former president. We, 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 need, to, we need to make John actually say the words. Yeah. Yes. You know, we almost did at the campaign stop a couple of said he's a sick well yeah he stopped himself but get the delay ready he yeah. almost let get it slip out ready. last month while he was marking the third anniversary of the attack on january 6th trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence but they laugh about it at his rally he jokes about an intruder whipped up by the big trump lie taking a hammer to paul pelosi's skull and echoing the very same words used on January 6th, where's Nancy? And he thinks that's funny. He laughed about it. What a sick... <laughs> My God. I, I think it's despicable, seriously. He was right on the cuffs yeah. right there. Mm -hmm. In private, Biden, according to John and his colleagues, doesn't stop himself there. The president has described Trump to longtime friends and close aides as a sick, insert expletive, who delights in others' misfortunes. That's according to three people who've heard the president <laughs> use the profane description. I'm glad they gave us the F there with, before all the asterisks, because yeah. I was thinking what? sick puppy. Yeah, one yeah, of the nah. people who has sick spoken fella. with the president said Biden recently used... There it is expletives when referring to Trump. Biden grew particularly incensed by reports of Trump refusing to visit a military cemetery in the rain and by stories that he has mocked the sacrifices of fallen American soldiers. We heard some of that anger in a speech last weekend in South Carolina. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? Look, I call them patriots and heroes. The only loser I see is Donald Trump. 
And in my reporting, we learned there were a few things in particular uh, that really set him off behind closed doors and lead to those profane outbursts. You mentioned Charlottesville when Donald Trump defended people on both sides of that racist riot. That is what led Joe Biden to run in 2020. We, the reports that Donald Trump confirmed by the January 6th committee that Donald Trump sat and watched the insurrection from a private dining room just off the Oval Office, cheering them on, even rewinding some of the most violent parts. His warm words for Vladimir Putin, which Trump, which Biden believes is simply unpatriotic. And then the two examples you just played there, the mockery of fallen American soldiers, which for President Biden is deeply personal because his son, Beau Biden, was stricken and died of cancer soon after returning from Iraq. And I think I think this may be um, maybe um, a, one reason why the White House probably should let him out more. There's been concerns that that he's not getting out, he's not doing enough stuff, he's not answering enough questions. All right, so if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. Like, uh, I'll, it, you know, Andy Card told Barnacle one time that that the that the thing that people didn't get about Bush was when he bumbled around and and wasn't perfect, wasn't Ronald Reagan. I'm talking about 43. Um, Andy Card said it made him more relatable. Yeah, they saw the polls that made him more. He wasn't speaking in flowery language. A lot of crazy right there. You can't blame Trump for shit that Biden's doing, but this is what my whole life has been and why I hate the media and why I do a podcast on it. It, it, it was Bush's fault for everything through Obama's. It was Bush's fault for everything through Clinton's. It was Trump's fault for everything through Obama's. It's Trump's fault for everything through Biden. We never blame, put, the, put the tail on the real donkey, which is the Democrats, who should be responsible for some of this tomfoolery. So, going to go into woke. It's wokey. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. The safety issue here isn't largely that someone's cis daughter is going to lose out to a trans girl in sports. Statistically, the data isn't there, and I have that here. I'll give it to you so you can check it out. Um, and it isn't that she's going to be ruined for life by seeing a trans girl's penis in the locker room. In fact, statistically, that won't be the first penis she sees. I hate this. And I developed breasts during um, uh, puberty. So I'm a cisgender woman going through menopause. So I'm losing some of that strength. Um, so I'm generally in opposition to laws that uphold the extermination of minorities. And, uh, this HB 1205 is a bite into the pursuit of happiness of trans kids. Uh, next to come will be another crunch into the liberty of trans kids and adults. And the main course or the final solution, and yes, I intentionally capitalize, final solution is a drooling, snarling chomp that ends the lives of all trans people in this state and the nation. The law that she is likening to Hitler's Holocaust of six million Jews during World War II is a law that would protect young girl spaces from transgender individuals. It would allow for girls to be able to be in a private space with only other biological girls. It allows a girl 
a little girl to not be exposed to male genitalia. And you need to be a radical psychopath to connect the dots from that notion to Hitler. But you just saw it done with great ease and aplomb, I must say, and a hell of a hairdo. People who can sit and listen to the testimony of actual trans people and stand on the side of this bill, I really question uh, their taste in judgment. Uh, Ohio and other states mentioned the 24 that have passed these bills. They follow them up. Uh, moving on to access to health care for kids. Moving on to access for health care for adults. Let's just define our terms here. When the left, when someone like this says access to health care, it means children chemically castrating themselves. by More parts of my middle school classroom. Right next to my ratchet blue cabinet, we have my flags. And then right across the wall from there, we have my other flag. Probably my most popular flag is my progress pride flag. I get a lot of comments on this because it's always in the background of my videos. We love some progress pride flag because um, my girl, Miss Miller's Musings, who is also on TikTok, her and I are the sponsors for our GSA, which stands for Gay Straight Alliance. We call it PRISM here at our school. We have to show our pride babies some love, so we love this flag. <sighs> it's so fucking tiring. It's just so fucking tiring. <clears throat> Worst censorship of January, big tech hates jokes, free elections, and pro-life content. Not going to cover because we covered most of it. YouTube censored Jordan Peterson and daughter via lack of search autofill. And then we have this knuckle fuck, so-called pastor. Black History Month is perfect time for majority white congregations to be reminded that they follow a non-white saver, hold a Bible that is filled with people of color, and that many of the church's greatest theologians, theologians, excuse me, we're from Africa. I'm old enough to remember Christianity was about spreading God's word instead of white apologists, left-wing talking points. I remember Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, you know, yellow, red, and black, and white, they are great, and something, something, I don't remember the words. But it was about color doesn't matter. Hmm. I don't remember that anymore. I guess it went away. Virginia Democrat who woo manhandled for claiming husbands won't let him convince their wives to vote Democrat. I see this happening fairly often when I canvass. A husband will answer the door and either speak for his wife or refuse to let me talk to her because he'll afraid I'll convince her to vote Democrat. It's a dude, too. It's very interesting that when you break down a white woman's vote, there's a vast difference based on who's married and who's single. Imagine being that weak-minded that you just go along with your husband wants you to do. Chris Evans, not Captain America. I don't know where they get this from because I call total bullshit. I've lived in a matriarchy. My mother ran the house. My wife runs the house. I don't even know what the fucking pants look for. I've been married for 37 years next month or the month after. So in a very short time, 37 years. Been with her already over 37 years. We met in September of 1986. I don't tell her what to think. I tell her to vote and she doesn't. Because she says, fuck it, doesn't matter. But if she voted, the left would fucking hate her. Oh my God, she's 
wants to ban abortion. Oh, God, no. Family threatened with arrest of refusing to transition daughter, not reading it. I just like to report it because it's happening everywhere. Florida's blocking transgenders from changing sex on the driver's license. That's pretty good. They put... Uh, ah, they put tampon dispensers in the boys' bathroom and they were ripped down within 20 minutes. And now they're going to fuck the kids over. Journal of Medic. I let a bunch of kids grill me about my abortion, and it was great. Shot Your Abortion will be releasing a children's book on about abortion 2020. I can't get the video. But spoken like a true idiot who has never experienced a parasite growing inside you. And now they're starting to argue. A pregnancy, a disease, a normative approach. And they, they published an article that pregnancy is disease because it's a parasite. And they were serious when they printed it. I just want to make sure everybody understands that. They were serious. And I once again submit, Your Honor, in evidence, Exhibit A. We had an entire election based on the women's right to have free health, uh, uh, the pill. A whole election. It was 2000 motherfucking 12. So birth control is free. Why are we still freaking out about abortion? Why is it a subject? The science is pretty much settled that babies live around 21 to 22 weeks. So if you're killing a baby, then that's pretty fucked up. So abortion should be legal up to 20 weeks, 21 weeks, 22 weeks. If there's an extreme circumstance that the woman didn't know because she's fat and didn't pay attention to what is that? 22 weeks divided by four. That's almost six fucking months. Is that right? Yeah. If you haven't figured out that the baby's in you by then, well, that's that's kind of fucked up. But uh, we have an extreme case. Yeah. Rape and incest. Yeah. The majority of Americans do not want abortion blocked. Neither do I. Because lefties don't follow the law. Biden's now saying they blocked me on aid, but they didn't stop me. What the fuck does that even mean? Why is this still an issue? It's legal. Nobody banned it. It just said states can do their own shit. Drive to another state and get your goddamn abortion. If it's so fucking important for you to do it, and you're in a state that has some restrictions... But the majority of Americans say there should be restriction. And a majority of Americans say that the federal government should not be paying for fucking abortions. And we are, because we're providing free next day after pills and abortion pills, which are against the Hyde Amendment, but they got around it because the Hyde Amendment was only talking about uh, mechanical abortions. Folks. This isn't, it's only an issue because the left needs it to be an issue. They won't fix the issue and get on board with a 22, 23, 24 week second trimester. That's the run cutoff. If you haven't made your mind up by that, oh fucking well, you're having a child because it's a human being and it comes out and it breathes. And there's a bunch of evidence 
that we are doing live birth abortions all over the country beyond that, and they just throw it in the garbage can because they botched the abortion. It's happening. And why do I say the left's not going to follow it? Because I know some people are listening or say, fuck abortion just like my wife does. Hey, listen, I morally think it's bullshit. If you can't use birth control, we were two 18-year-old kids fucking like rabbits. That's all we did. We got a burger and we fucked. That was our courtship. A lot. Two or three times. It's back when I got to have two orgasms. Kind of miss those days. And hair, too. Maybe it was hair. I think hair has something to do with it. I don't know. The point is, we use birth control. It's the first thing I said to my wife. Are you on birth control? Do I need to get a rubber? The first time we started going past the threshold of just necking. Because I was an adult, for God's sake. It's a child. She's the same way. If you can't do that because you fuck like a wild banshee, well, you're a piece of garbage and you need to grow the fuck up. Use your birth control. And I know there's problems with birth control. I know some people can't be on birth control. I got a vasectomy for it, so don't give me no shit about, well, you need to get a vasectomy. I fucking did at 23. Go suck a bag of dicks. At 23, I got a fucking circum- or a vasectomy because I was like, fuck this. She has three periods a fucking month. It isn't working. There was no depo. There wasn't patches. There wasn't shots. There wasn't shit. There was just a pill. And it didn't work. They tried two of them. She was sick all the time. I said, fuck this shit. We have two kids. Do you want any more children? No. I don't have more children. Let's make the decision. I'll go get fixed. And she goes, really? I go, yeah, because it's a lot for you. You can't get a hysterectomy. Then you, then you have to do all the hormones and or get your tubes tied. You're laid up, right? to get your tubes tied. It's it's a major operation. They got to go inside you. With me, it's on the outside. It's a terrible thing. I hated it. Hurt like a motherfucker. But I did it. But the left's going to do whatever they want. I submit into evidence, Your Honor. Woke kindergarten. Yes, everyone, the rumors are true. I am anti-Israel. I am pro-Palestine. And I am 100% 10 toes down anti-Israel. I believe Israel has no right to exist. I believe the United States has no right to exist. I believe every settler colony who has committed genocide against native peoples, against indigenous people, has no right to exist. I believe in a free Palestine from the river to the sea. I believe one day Palestine will be free. Is this news to anybody? White supremacy destroys for the sake of destruction. Abolition destroys for the sake of creation. We are not the same. I have an unwavering respect for children, an unwavering love and care and compassion for children, a commitment to children and to their freedom, to their learning, to their lives, to sustaining their lives. Y'all are the demons. Y'all are the villains. We've been trying to end y'all. Get free of y'all. That person should be tossed out. They shouldn't be around kids. Palomori is having a moment. This is in theweek.com. And they just did the whole thing that it's all great. And if you don't believe it's not great, you're a garbage human. 
This isn't a parody. This is an actual group of people pushing Colorado HB 24 1071, known as Tierra's Law, which would allow trans criminals to change their name and avoid identification. It's named after convicted felon, drag queen, and prostitute. Why do we? Why do they always look like this? This is just like California with a, hey, you should have to tell somebody you have fucking AIDS because it's transphobic or homophobic. Get the fuck out of here. Glad going crazy today. New York Times opinion featured a wildly biased column by Pamela Paul. You may remember cisgender heterosexual Pamela who makes a living writing anti-trans content from her widely criticized and ridiculed paper or piece defending J.K. Rowling's incessant anti-trans diatribe. Below is an example of one of the comments that the New York Times removed from Slack chat following the publication of Pamela Paul's opinion piece titled, As Kids They Thought They Were Trans. They no longer do. I wish the leadership of the company would understand that the more perspectives we publish that basically amount to there should be fewer trans people in society absolutely contribute to a hostile work environment for the queer people who work here and keep the place running. Let's just stop for a second. Do you do a piece of actual factual journalism because 80% of trans go back. That's the fact, Jack, from GLAAD. GLAAD did a survey. 80 people stopped replying because they didn't do it anymore. And 80% of them go back and say, fuck it, I don't want to do this. I was confused. I thought changing my gender would change it. It wasn't the gender. It was me. It would be like me right now. I just went through a major identity crisis. I'm still going through it. I'm super depressive. I got fucking suicidal ideation. At no time did I say, let's chop my dick off and make it a vagina. How would that fix anything? Then I have to fucking learn how to be a woman. I wouldn't know how to do that. I mean, I'm not very hairy anymore, so I guess that'd be easier. But at the end of the day... How was that going to fix me? But the moment you say something they don't want to hear, it's, oh, it's a hostile, oh, we're feeling, you are killing people. By printing that, some people go through the process and change their mind. How is that killing somebody? That's just people. I mean, it just feels so degrading that we have in our workforce these very prominent colleagues who are openly transphobic. That's it. I'm done. I'm not reading anymore. Go fuck yourself. You can't. You can't. You can't handle the truth. That's what it comes down to. I should just be playing motherfucking Jack Nicholson from Few Good Men. The truth gets out there and you people fall the fuck apart because... You've used intersectionality as an umbrella to never have to argue your point. Why is it imperative to make three-year-olds into girls when they're boys? Why is it imperative that we push this in grade school? Why is it imperative that we do it in kindergarten? Why is it imperative we need to teach all white kids that they're garbage humans? Why? Why is it imperative we never show this fucking person, which happens all the time. I'm not saying all trans. I'm not saying all gay. I'm not saying any of that shit. I'm just saying this winner, winner, chicken dinner, abuse kids. It's happening. But you can't say it because it's transphobic. We won't print it because it's transphobic. 
So we got to have a climate thing every time. This is Al Gore with, who the fuck was he with? Amanpour. We need to get more radical. Take away their car. So I just want to ask you, you know, James Hansen, the, the NASA expert who was one of the, the first on climate warnings, has warned that, you know, unless there's some massively radical thing to, to happen very soon, the magic 1.5 degrees number will, you know, will be surpassed. And there seems to be a struggle over the experts over that. Where do you come down on that? Well, I have the deepest respect for Jim Hansen uh, and also for his colleagues who have a slightly different view, but they agree on most things. You know, half of the calendar days in 2023 were actually above 1.5, and in November there were two days above uh, a, a two-degree margin above the pre-industrial temperature. So, uh, yes, we, we're running out of time to, to solve this in time, but, and we're running some unacceptably high risks with large global uh, systems that uh, are important for the flourishing of humanity that are now being destabilized. Mm -hmm. So the sooner the better. Uh, the issue you're referring to uh, is over how sensitive the climate is to more and more greenhouse gas pollution. And uh, ultimately, uh, they agree on far more than they disagree. They're all saying the same thing. We got to switch away from fossil fuels as quickly as possible and stop using the sky as an open sewer. That's the basic problem. We're, we're putting 162 million tons up there every day uh, and the accumulated amount. Of For the record, I just bought a gas-powered four-cylinder, 36 miles to the gallon Jetta. It has auto shut off. I can't even shut it off. It just does it. If I'm at a stoplight, it just shuts off. It won't let me run it very long. I, a remote start to try to get the ice off the window, it shut itself off at five minutes. I can't lock it and walk into the side to keep the car cool like I used to do all the time. You can't do that anymore. It won't let me do it. There's no way to lock the car. You have to shut the fucking thing off. There's so many green things in this car that they don't tell you about that me and the wife started driving home going, Jesus fucking Christ. Everything about this car is green. I don't care. But the point is, we're doing so much fucking shit. I don't know how to shut off my phone. I think I just did. I don't know. We're doing so many fucking things, folks. We're, we're so far ahead of the curve. Just shut the fuck up with your craziness. New York Times opinion piece. Oh, okay, I already covered that. Sorry. This one's good. This is a be it... Uh, Nazis and uh, Jews are Nazis and parasites. And then we have this from the root. Spike black men are the white people of black people. It feels counterintuitive to suggest that straight black men as a whole possess any sort of privilege. Now they're garbage. They used to be really important. Now they're pieces of shit. That's how fast we've gone on this liberal, this fucking trans shit. Black men who aren't fucking dudes, which is what trans are, are now pieces of garbage. And even though it's Black History Month, MSNBC makes his bones by saying America's a racist cesspool of garbage. So here's Katie Fang. 
But those words, they ring true decades later, as today marks the first day of Black History Month, and many educators across the country are grappling with restrictions on how they can teach it, if at all. So far, 17 states have enacted laws restricting how teachers can discuss race in the classroom. GOP Governor Ron DeSantis leading the way here in Florida with the most aggressive legislation, with teachers facing jail time for simply teaching the truth. One Florida teacher telling Axios that they're approaching teaching black history, quote, carefully, because, quote, no one wants to be fired. So it's all part of a broader right-wing push to whitewash American history, a blatant refusal to come to terms with racism in America. I don't think there should be a Black History Month. That particular passage wasn't saying that slavery was, was a benefit. It was saying there was resourcefulness and people acquired skills in spite of slavery. The word racism is almost extinct now because we can't discern true racism yeah. from wokeness. Wokeness is racism in and of itself. It's all activism. It's all ideology, it's no history. We cannot perpetuate a lie to our students and push this propaganda leftist agenda, teaching our kids to hate America. Joining me now is Brittany Cooper, professor of women's and gender studies and Africana studies at Rutgers University. Professor, I get pretty mad when I watch that. Um, it's a combination, right? I'm mad, I'm angry, but I'm sad. Um, that that this is the conversations we've been having now for God knows how long. I wanted to get your thoughts on this ongoing push to restrict black history in the classroom. It sounds like it's going to get to the point where you can't be black and actually even physically be in a classroom at this rate. <laughs> Listen, that thing has been true for our history in America longer than the idea that we have been able to read, have been able mm. to be in a classroom. Our default position in America is that black people are not worthy of education, that they don't get a chance to read, that they don't have the life chances that other folks have. Um, and I think that the thing we should recognize is that that's what Ron DeSantis is trying to do. So he wants an undereducated citizenry so that he can control them. Yep. This push on the right is designed to take away our ability to understand ourselves in history so that we now i want to say i want to say uh outright it, it's still amazing they bring out that black lady to talk on tv I, I i just once again she is a election denier she rigged the georgia election it's been proven here's some more of the good stuff here Oh, that's Talia. Uh, fuck that thing. I didn't get that, did I? Did I not get it? I didn't. This this is fucking horrible, man. This is so horrible. Zero students passed math proficiency test at 53 Illinois school. Totally run by liberals. An email blast confirmed that Edmonton will move on to next steps for its proposed 15-minute communities. City Council will consider all public feedback and likely approve the policy bill. The uh, district plans are key in bringing the city plan community of communities vision to life plan. Last February, they announced it would divide its 400 neighborhoods into 15-minute cities, calling it necessary tool. And to prove my point once again about the we can't we can't talk about ourselves. Here's Heidi Campbell. The vilification of teachers via the voucher scam is repulsive 
was with the mega talk show host yelling about the evil teachers union. I challenge anyone to find a more underpaid, underappreciated, worthy, highly respected. We need your money, goddamn freaking teachers union. Here's Heidi Campbell from Tennessee. She can't articulate her point. Well, 80% of them in Arizona didn't do it. 89% in New Hampshire didn't do it. 75% in Wisconsin so didn't you're, do you're it. Just Let me di- you, wait a minute. 70% you're, you're, hold on. You, you're just dismissing those parents that do? They don't matter? They don't count? No, I'm not saying they don't matter and they don't count. Not everybody, not everybody they, has an ability to take their kids into a private educational setting like some in this room, right? But you're saying that you would... You send your kids to private school, don't you? I, I, yes, I do. And you have the ability to send your kids to private school. And yet I still support public schools. I understand that you do. It, just because, wait, do you have this perception that people that send their kids to private school don't support public education? I think that that's the implication when people are asking me how I, I mean, can I'm still stand paying, up I'm, for I'm, public schools. I'm still, I'm still paying my taxes. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I pay for that myself. Where would your kids go to school? If- Which brings us to our TikToky, and we're still doing the seven club, uh, seven up, seven whatever. I don't know the fucking name of the thing. I can never remember what the fucking name is. I'm not gonna lie to you. Here's your sign. Could they be testing this in major cities right now? This was an alert that was issued to me and some friends about our local major city, and I'm wondering, did anyone else get something like this? Hmm. Let me know if you got one. And if so, do you think this is that first little preparation? Have you been following the lady sorry. on the plane? A friend of mine freeze-framed a section of this video, and it seems that she's doing the Baphomet symbol. So could it be one of these public rituals that the Freemasons continue to do throughout our big events? Or could she have really seen a demon or a reptilian? The dude in the hoodie like looked around the plane, and he looked back at me, and he winked at me. But now that I look back, I realize that when he winked at me, and it was his left eye looking back at me, it didn't wink like this. It winked like this. So supposedly that's an eyewitness who was on the plane, saw the exchange, seen the creature blink like this, and with the left eye. A lot of people believe that left eye from TLC was one of those public ritual sacrifices. If you'll notice, Left Eye always wore some black under her left eye. Mm-hmm. Which then makes you wonder about all the celebrities who have black eyes on their left eye. For those of you who are not familiar with the reptilian theory, I've seen this video and it's showing the little probe guy. There's been whistleblowers that say that these reptilians have a probe in their head and it's this little reptilian worm thing that comes up out of their head and it goes into the person's eyeball in their left eye and wraps around their optical nerve and connects to their brain and takes them over as a host, like a parasite. Now, I'm not saying I believe in all this stuff with the reptilians and things, but you know I believe in demons, you know? And if these things are demonic creatures that we know that demons take over people, they possess people. Houston, we have a problem. 
I've always wanted to say that. And now I can. Next giant leap will also start right here in Houston, orbiting aboard the International Space Station. Right here in Houston. This Houston? Yeah, that's right. Johnson's Space Center. Go down to Building 9, go to Street View, and go inside, and you'll see a mock-up of the International Space Station. But it's perfectly accurate down to every wire and we're going to explore these rooms together and I was walking through these rooms and I started to notice that uh, hey I've seen this before on the live feeds and I noticed something out of my peripherals and I said wait a minute wait what I've seen that before ah there it is I knew I'd seen that before and whoa a lot of magical things happen right here in Houston oh and look at that right here in Houston that looks familiar as well. Seen a lot of shots filmed with those little flags. Popular area. Right here in Houston. But wait, I see the ISS in the sky all the time. I'm sorry, man. Rooted in Satanism? Come well, on, man. I was just scrolling around one day and I realized that NASA has done something on July 16th every year since the Apollo 11 mission. And maybe even before then. But you ever wonder that T-minus thing you hear before the rocket launches? Maybe it's just Satan minus the T, and that's NASA. And I'm sure you've seen all the snake memes out there, but check this out. I've been searching to find where July I love shit like this. Uh, we are watching uh, Art of Kicks so much now. Every night, that's the last hour of our TV. And it's all TikTok conspiracy theories like this. Just freaks me the fuck out. Pe people say it's mega. It's both sides, folks. Left and right, just fucking crazy. Guess what I we have too much time. We have too it's much information in our day. fucking hand, Not man. National we just, snake we day, just make shit up. Snake day, where people get together and worship and celebrate the serpent. And look at that logo. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a globe with a satanic snake wrapped around it. Yeah, this symbol is rooted in the occult and Freemasonry and Luciferianism and all that stuff. Hey, how'd this get in here? So do you think NASA's paying homage to this slithery serpent? Get out of here! The celebration of reptiles. It don't look good, NASA, when all these things add up. Ooh, those slithery snakes. I'm Today we're going to look at a list of some light... Uh. Today we're going to look at a list of some lighthouse impossibilities. First, let's take a look at the Isle of Wight Lighthouse. The Isle of Wight Lighthouse in England is 180 feet high and can be seen up to 42 miles away, a distance at which modern astronomers say the light should be falling 996 feet below the line of sight. Let's imagine we're at the top of this lighthouse looking out. If we are up 180 feet looking out 42 miles, gonna fuck your head the physical up. horizon would be 16 miles out, and anything we're looking at 42 miles away would be 436 feet below the below. horizon. Cape Lagula in South Africa. It sits at 238 feet above sea level and it's seen 50 miles. So if we're up on the top of that at 238 feet looking out 50 miles, the horizon will be 18 miles away and anything we're looking at will be 645 feet below the horizon line. Now the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty is 326 feet above sea level and it's seen from up to 60 miles away. So if we are standing on top of the Statue of Liberty looking 60 miles out, well, the horizon line itself would be 22 miles away and anything we're looking at 60 miles away would be 957 feet below the horizon. Now the highlighted topic here, Port Said Lighthouse in Egypt is at an elevation of only 60 feet and it's been seen 
at an astonishing 58 miles away. According to modern astronomy, it should be 2,182 feet below the line of sight. Let's say we're 60 feet up in that thing, looking out 58 miles. Where would the horizon be? Oh, nine miles away, okay. And then anything that was 58 miles away would be 1,569 feet below the horizon? Wow. Lighthouses are made to find your way. So you can be 60 miles out in a boat on the ocean and you'd find your way to shore due to these lighthouses. But with the spherical geometry, some impossibilities occur. Move huh. right along, guys. I love there's that nothing one. to see here. Literally, there's nothing to see here. Because it's funny that they tell us there's all this debris and satellites and just tons of junk floating around in orbit around the Earth, yet during spacewalks, we see none of it. You must not know how exposure works, Mother Ducker. Miss me with the silly explanations for why we don't see all of this up there. Because these would not be missing the space station if this were all real. During these spacewalks, the camera will point this way, that way, back into the void of space, and still, no debris, no other satellites, nothing of that sort. And while we're on the topic, look at this continent. I encourage you to go try to match this exact continent up with anywhere on Google Earth. South America. Because it's not the large continents. I've looked all around them, tried to match it up. If you could find it, please do so. Now, when you just look at satellites and rocket bodies, look at this. Even this, we should be able to That's notice true. something it's a lot of shit. as they're flying <clears throat> around the Earth. But when you put everything into effect, it's like a solid object. Now, with all of this debris and all the stuff flying around, listen. If you were flying at 5 miles per second, which is how fast this space station is moving while the mm -hmm. astronauts are on the outside of it taking their carabiners and clipping it here and oh well well that's not right we gotta freaking oh, yeah clip it here you know it's just nothing the entire time they're clipping here clipping there doing their little thing doing nothing for eight hours straight just tinkering but anyway imagine a piece of debris flying around up there with them let's just say it's going the opposite direction at any speed or it could be sitting still but even a golf ball sized piece of debris hits the space station as it's going five miles per second, it would obliterate the space station. Hey, also remember, orbiting is free fall constantly. We would be having pieces slamming into each other, causing a trajectory toward Earth. There would be satellites crashing down all the time. I just Which was that movie with uh, Sandra Bullock that happened. But I think what he's missing on that, I'm not a, I'm not good at math, but the space station is moving five miles per hour. So they're all moving five miles per hour. The only way to adjust it is if it gets hit and it gets sped up past the five miles per hour. So everything is continually rotating in the gravity of the Earth, and that's why it doesn't get hit. That's my guess. Why NASA is the home of the world's largest flame retardant green screen, which of course I get fact checked, and then they say, No, we had Big Easy Studios in our facility filming a few movies, but it's the court case mentioned at the bottom that had me really interested, which we'll get to that. And man, it's a uh, condemning. Big Easy Studios has everything you need for your next major studio or independent project. 
So they're a company that helps studios get their footing. We also have Biggie's in production. And they do uh, movies that I can't talk about right now, but they also do movie productions uh, here as uh, well. So What? Why can't you talk about it? Taking a look inside Michu facility, you'll see the green screen and you'll see the inside of their stage studio, which just so happens to look exactly like Warner Brothers' stage studio. And on the B-roll footage, when they went inside Michao, they showed a lot of the effects that Michao uses in their production, showing that they can augment reality right in front of your eyes. They show you they can make a spaceship appear out of thin air. They show you that even the rockets that you see on television could possibly be this CGI effects that they apparently used throughout this whole presentation in their B-roll footage. Faking gravity by having people hold on to their hair, faking the inside of shuttles, and the list goes on. We're talking about layered footage, green screen, CGI, the whole nine yards that we always accuse NASA of doing. And now you see that they do it with ease. Here's some footage of them utilizing the world's largest green screen. And I want you to take note. Look at this harness. You see how it's sitting on this person and it's going up under the legs like that's actually a zfx flying effects harness zfx specializes in movie harnesses this is that harness that was being used it's the three-point harness and looky there nasa is on zfx client list notice where these wires extend from and look where this astronaut grabs this other astronaut right at the waist where that harness has its wires this is their background picture on Facebook. And take a good look at this. Look familiar? Now pretend you're standing about right here. You'll realize that it's Big Easy Studios. So what came first, Big Easy Studios or NASA? How about size? How does it compare size-wise? Uh, stage two is 13,000 square feet, which is comparable to many. Um, and this stage is 31,000 square feet. I mean, the visual effects budgets for movies have gone from a few million to tens of millions. So, you know, we have rocket scientists and all that kind of stuff working on, on movies. So, you know, we have rocket scientists and all that kind of stuff working on, on movies. Now so, on to this court case, which you can find online and read yourself. So Big Easy Studios takes NASA to court and says, look, you should have extended our lease agreement. We made so many improvements to your facility, NASA. And okay, he bored me on this one. Our last so one, and I'm not commenting because it's just comments for itself. You know it's just crazy as shit. Right here. Please follow, please share. I was only 10 days into my account and almost reached 20K followers and um, all gone in a matter of a second. Uh, a follower hit me up on Facebook, had found all my duets, screen recorded those and sent them back to me. So I do apologize for the quality, but I am making new content as well. Uh, made this account yesterday, the day before. I'm halfway to 1,000 so I can... You know, go live if I can reach and that. That's how um, he lost his he lost his account because he talked about shit and YouTube didn't light it and it killed it. We end on a story by my buddy Todd in Oregon. Oregon spent twenty nine million to house asylum seekers, then shut down the program. From his email because he broke it down and I think I fucked up. Hold on a second. I did fuck up. I was stupid. Uh, that's too Todd. There we go. There it is. Ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. 
Okay, grants. It was four thousand four hundred twenty per person per month for someone that should not be in the country. They are now planning to allocate between forty-one million to seventy-nine million for the next fourteen months. I thought you would be interested in the story I found on MSN. Oregon spent twenty-nine million housing seekers, asylum seekers. Thank you, Todd. It doesn't surprise me. With Oregon, nothing surprises me. Oregon is Fruit Loop Center, USA. They just don't get it. So I wanted to do something for fun. We played it before, but here is Matt Beck's 11X. Bitch, I operate. <laughs> Me or is modern rap like the worst shit you've ever heard? All they do is get a catchy ass beat, throw some cocky lyrics on it, and call it music. Ugh. I get it, but if it's so easy, Mr. Fancy Pants, why don't you just make a music video yourself? Yo, maybe I will, dog. What the fuck? Get him up! Yeah. Yo, make your box seats yeah. up in this motherfucker! Mm. Blow your mind! In the morning and I'm feeling kind of fresh Five pounds of bacon on my motherfucking chest Carbon stained pillows, handsome like lead Under my mattress, gun safe as my bed Loaded up mags, just ready to blast ISIS flag when I wipe my ass Blowout kit with my speedball bag Dressed up in my tactical swag Looked in my pocket and found zero fucks Until I pulled out my custom clocks Even wore multi-cams to my first date Wait, what? <laughs> Bitch, I operate We might be crazy We might be drunk We're sipping on whiskey And now here we come And we're riding dirty This might be fame Three words for your face Bitch, I operate Bitch, I operate Bitch, I operate Chillin' at the range, fire rate sustain Lead showers when I make it rain C-clamp like a motherfuckin' boss hog Got more packages than you on my damn dog Two in the morning doing CQB Tiptoeing down the hallway Shh, my wife might hear me Got my Instagram game on lock Especially with gun bunnies be drooling on my cock Got the whole crew like When I drop loads, they're always suppressed People say, haters gonna hate I'm just like, bitch, I operate. We might be crazy, we might be drunk. We're sipping on whiskey, and now here we come. And we're riding dirty, this might be fame. Three words for your fame. Bitch, I operate. Bitch, I operate. Bitch, I operate. Wait, wait, wait. What the fuck does operate even mean? I actually have no idea. Are, are you operating right now? Maybe. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. We had a shit ton of fun making it. And uh, the song is available on iTunes right now. Probably annotated right in Rocco's penis area. And also we're excited to launch the new Bitch I Operate t-shirt. Yep, and we're also excited that we started our Roman gun line as well. So you go check those out as well. Additionally, with shirts, we want to give a special thanks to Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, they helped us make this video, and they wanted to let you guys know that they have a new coffee club. And if you use the promo code OPERATE, you'll get 20% off your first coffee club purchase. Bitch, I operate. Where the fuck's JT, man?
All right, and one last thing before we close out, and this came late, so I got to put it in. It's our This is America, and it is MSNBC upset that we can't just jail Donald Trump, that the rule of law won't be followed unless we jail Donald Trump. And once again, I just want to bring up this podcast. Fuck Mega. I'm not down with Mega. If you're Mega, good for you. That's awesome. But I ain't down with Mega. Build back better. Fucking hope change. Stay on the horse. Left leg first. I think all these fucking jackasses are pieces of garbage. And this show is about the media. So we talk in our mainstream media, and we have it all over the place, how freaking garbage Fox News is, how garbage that is, how garbage this is, but we never look at MSNBC and CNN and those motherfuckers who are just the same. They're just pushing an ideology. And this segment by Pisaki, who once again, you heard that this person used to work at Fox News. They just go straight to Fox News from the White House. Those motherfuckers from Fox News. The FBI... Every CIA went to CNN. And MSNBC gets every person that fucking hates white people on the planet, and some of them are white. So this segment's really important. And then we'll close this pick out. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. Well, it's shaping up to be a really big week for the country because this week the Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments on whether the 14th Amendment disqualifies Donald Trump from the ballot. And today, just a few hours ago, actually, we got a pretty good window into how Trump's legal team plans to make their arguments. And let me tell you, this brief, I read it today, includes a fair number of arguments from an alternate universe. For starters, Trump's lawyers claim the former president is not, in fact, an officer of the United States, which is who the 14th Amendment covers. Now, this is not a new or surprising argument necessarily being made by the Trump team, but let's be real. It kind of defies logic. I mean, how could it be that the president of the United States is not an officer of the United States with an obligation, by the way, to abide by the Constitution? Wasn't that kind of what the founders had in mind? But... Then there's the other, perhaps even more startling piece, at least to me, of revisionist history that is included in this brief, that Donald Trump did not engage in an insurrection. In fact, according to the argument here, it was not an insurrection at all. The brief actually includes these claims. One, there was no insurrection. Two, Trump did not incite anything, and President Trump did not engage in anything that constitutes insurrection. It even goes so far as to explain why the events of that day were not an insurrection at all, including that it lasted only about three hours. What a weird argument that is. And few, if any, carried firearms. Okay, let's pause on that. Because by that logic that they just outlined there, I guess if a robbery or murder doesn't take a lot of time, only three hours, let's say, and not that many people are carrying firearms, then it's not a crime. So this brief filed today, in black and white, really is also a reminder of how Trump and his team view the attack on our capital and our democracy. That's what it reminded me of. But if you put those mind-bending arguments aside for a moment, though we will certainly dig into them, I promise, with our first guest, 
What Trump's case really boils down to, as they lay out, actually on the very first page of this brief right here, is basically that voters should be able to decide. They say the people should choose our next president, not the courts, not elected officials, but voters. And of course, that's true. We all believe that. But it's awfully rich coming from the people who wrote this brief. I mean, remember, the reason we are here right now is because Trump did not want to let the voters decide. Trump and his supporters launched a coordinated pressure campaign at the local, state, and federal level, we all remember, to overturn what the voters had decided. They created slates of fake electors, attempted to compromise and overtake the Department of Justice, and stood back as a mob descended on the U.S. Capitol, all to undo the will of voters. And remember, the voters did decide on Joe Biden. So despite the arguments in this brief, when they had the chance to let the voters decide, they did the exact opposite. And they are already saying, if given the chance, they will do it again. So would you have certified the election results had you been vice president? If I had been vice president, I would have told the states like Pennsylvania, Georgia, and so many others that we needed to have multiple slates of electors, and I think the U.S. Congress should have fought over it from there. Will you vote to certify the results of the 2024 election, no matter what they show? Well, I voted not to certify the state of Pennsylvania. What about 2024? We will see if this is a legal and valid election. So even as Trump's team is arguing we should let the voters decide, his top defenders, his potential picks for vice president, which I'm sure both of them are thinking, are on television saying that they have no intention of doing so. They are expressing undemocratic views at the same time that Trump's own lawyers are trying to claim the high ground. They're insisting in this brief file today that kicking him off the ballot would be undemocratic. But civil rights lawyer Sherilyn Eiffel says it's actually the opposite. In a brief she submitted to the Supreme Court ahead of Thursday's argument, she writes, quote, failure to apply the constitutional prerequisite for the office of President Trump would constitute an undemocratic exercise of power. Applying the law equally to everyone, regardless of station and despite popular opposition, is the very essence of the rule of law, a fundamental pillar of democracy. To allow an individual who does not meet the constitutional prerequisites to run for office would send the message that a candidate's popularity or the prominence of the office she seeks determines whether the law will be applied. Couldn't not have said it better. Definitely not. And joining me now is Sherilyn Eiffel. She is the former president and director of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. She's now the Vernon Jordan Distinguished Professor in Civil Rights at Howard Law School. So, Sherilyn, I am not a lawyer, as you know. We've talked before many times, but I did read your brief today. And it makes a really interesting point you and I have talked about a few times before that is often missed about the origin of the 14th Amendment, that it was meant in part to protect the voices and votes of African-American voters. And many years later, what Trump was trying to do was suppress those voices and votes. You make this point very clearly, which I think is so important in that brief. What did you make of the, of the filing that the Trump team, of the brief the Trump team filed today? I made of it what you made of it, uh, Jen, and thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, these were regurgitated talking points and not particularly persuasive or well presented. Uh, you know, I think this is the only recourse, however, that uh, Trump's lawyers have is to, um, you know, to, to, to say things that we know with our mm -hmm. naked eye can't possibly be true, like the insurrection wasn't an insurrection. Mm -hmm. um, 
The reality is that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is incredibly clear. The text of it is incredibly clear. The idea that the president is not an officer of the United States is ridiculous. The idea that the framers would have meant to exclude the president from Section 3 is ridiculous. That means that the framers of the 14th Amendment, who were so deeply concerned about the insurrectionist spirit that still existed in the South, and enacted Section 3 to ensure that those who had been defeated in the field, they said, would not be able to uh, continue their rebellion in office, would have um, been perfectly fine with Jefferson Davis uh, mm. running for president after the Civil War. Uh, it's, it's preposterous. And uh, I think it's really important—it's the reason I wrote the brief—to um, make sure that we surface the concerns that the framers of the 14th Amendment had about the rights of black people to be full citizens, which is really the core of the 14th Amendment, to ensure full citizenship for black people, and that Trump's insurrection was a very particular kind of insurrection. It was powered by his attacks on black voters, his attempt to discredit the votes cast by black voters, or at least who he thought were predominantly likely to be black voters in Detroit, in Philadelphia, in Atlanta. Those are not random places uh, that he picked. He picked those places for a very particular reason. That's very, very clear and such an important point that you raised in this brief. One of the other arguments I, I did want to raise with you is, is that people make, even people who are opponents of Trump, is that kicking him off the ballot would spark violence, would empower his people and help him politically. You seem to make the argument, or this is how I read it in the quote I just, I just read, that we can't pay attention mm -hmm. to the impacts. We can't predict the impacts because applying the rule of law is so important here. Why is it so important for people to understand that? That's just simply not a consideration that should be driving the Supreme Court, any more than the Supreme Court in 1954 should have decided that not to decide the Brown case the way they did because they were concerned that white Southerners would not accept it. Uh, that's actually not how the Constitution works. Uh, you apply the Constitution, you apply the law to the facts, uh, and you have, and the court has to say what the law is. Now, how that plays out in real life, that is the job of other branches of government uh, and the job of local government and the job of individuals. But once we have a Supreme Court that is fearful of the public, uh, then we no longer have a rule of law. We actually have... Which wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with the family and friends. Go to Flyover Politic K at SoundCloud. Rumble. 482467. Send a message to the show at foppodcast at gmail.com. F O P P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. Other show is Rumble 553 2123. 553 2123 for Old Dude Music Review. We will do an Old Dude Music Review on the 9th. And then our next Flower Politic Podcast will be the 11th. Of February year of the Lord. Ninth old dude music review is going to do songs that make me scream. That's our next subject. And then another flower politic on Sunday. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Be present for the people in your life and tune in for the next show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.